Street Epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about Street Epistemology at streetepistemology.com. was really cool is it possible to change somebody's mind if i'm not very knowledgeable but what they're saying feels very unlikely for example someone i was talking to said there were gangs being brought into america with known tattoos i asked her where she was getting information from and she said she listens to fox news so you can absolutely explore a person's claim and exhaust their reasoning to the point where they may reconsider changing their mind uh, or may consider changing their mind, I should say, uh, whether you know the te- the topic or not. Uh, that's one of the beauties of street epistemology that I found that you don't need to know much about the topic at all. It could be helpful if you're well-versed in this, sp- this specific subject. Like uh, you've seen other people talk about it and you realize that it's been debunked and you have the facts to show that it's wrong. But presenting those facts, as we know, probably wouldn't resonate that well with a person making the claim. So you got to set those facts aside anyways. So it almost doesn't matter if you know too much about it. Now, you might be able to use some, uh, some wording or avoid certain trigger words for your conversation partner if you are aware of the topic. That can be helpful. But you don't have to be knowledgeable of it. It reminds me of when I was going out to do street epistemology in front of the Alamo here in San Antonio. And I started talking to the Christian street preachers, but also running into some Muslims. And I thought, well, heck, if I'm going to talk to the Muslims, I need to, I need to know the Quran. So I bought the Quran, never opened it up <laughs> because in the meantime, I'd realized I don't need to study this. They're the experts. They're the ones who have reasoned to their conclusion. So I'm cool. All right. I put a, uh... Any questions that I noticed, I've put a little question mark emoji on them. So and I if, love that you're doing it. Thank you. If people okay, want to self-do that themselves, that would help us all. Yeah, self-question. <laughs> What's the best answer you've heard from theists when asked, how would you know if you were mistaken? Best answer. Oh, if I asked this question, how would you know if you were mistaken? What's the best answer I've heard from theist? Wow. I got to tell you, most of the time, the answer that I get to this is, well, God would let me know. They, they can't comprehend the, the, the depth of the question that you're answering, that you're asking. Like, um, that, that's usually the first thing. So it's kind of, you have to be a little bit more persistent. Like, no, like if you really were wrong on this, how would you actually figure it out? Now, this is usually where they go dark. Like, not dark like they ghost you, but um, dark like, like nihilistic. Like, well, if I came to realize that I was wrong on it, I would do this, or I would no longer be able to do this type of thing. But I don't usually get a straightforward answer to that type of question. That's a defeasibility question, isn't it? But it's it's too broad, also, as it's phrased right now. Like, how would you know if the Bible was mistaken? Might be a better question. A little bit more narrow in focus. These are good. Uh, and by the way, feel free to join the stage if you want. I'll bring you on here. What's your research look like before you go out? Do you sort of do refreshers before going out? Hmm. Re- research. I wouldn't call it research. I'd call it like mental preparation. So 
and, and other things too. And there's a chapter, by the way, in the course. Uh, I think it's module. What is it? It's a module four or five. Preparing to do street epistemology. Really, really great module. The course. And it covers all the things that you should probably keep in mind before you go out to do SE. Like check your schedule, make sure that you're not busy or that you have some other obligation that you're worried about. Um, I like to look at the weather because I'm thinking about the filming aspects of it. So like if it's a nice crisp blue day, blue sky day with great lighting, I want to go out. Even today, when I, I'm not even going out doing it anymore, but like that goes through my mind. It's like, what a great day for filming SE Talks. Um. A lot of it is your own mental grounding. Now, sometimes I remember, I remember like, like the weather was great. I had time, but I wasn't motivated. Well, maybe I would watch something on the news or, or watch a debate where just people were talking past each other to kind of boost my motivation to go out and do it. So that's part of it. And then there's the technical aspect of your filming SE talks, like making sure the batteries are charged up, that you've wiped out your, wiped out your memory cards and all that other stuff do i have enough puzzle pieces right is there mace in my bag in case somebody gets a little punchy although that's rare but that's that's pretty much it I, there's not a lot of research it's not like i'm researching subjects topics before going out to do se it's not We've got some heavyweights in the chat do we have some heavyweights in the chat all right good are there any plans on applying for formal research for se applying well we've we've had a scientist reach out to us out of germany and we've been working with her for the last year and a half uh i noticed that uh, dur prometheus is in here he's on the board he's been integral in uh developing a methodology for rep for mimicking an essay conversation using a web-based front end so that we can take participants through two types of exchanges one where you're doing one, one where se questions are happening and one where SE questions are not happening. And then we want to tease out, uh, do a study on that. I'm hoping that we can do uh, a small pilot with a dozen or a couple dozen people, which is what the scientists said would be necessary in order to get board approval and then blow it out and do it big time. But that's about it. Um, that being said, uh, hold on just one sec, Jason. That being said, um, I want to see way more research on SE. I would love to see tons of more research on street epistemology specifically. And in fact, the, the first foray into this, we're going to collect so much data through this, the way that we're about to go, to, the way that we're going about doing it, is that I suspect more research studies would probably be able to run just on the data that we've collected from this first one. Is there a learning course for street epistemology? Yes. Why? Yes, there is, Jan. Uh, it's called navigatingbeliefs.com. Definitely head to that website. And it's a self-directed course at the moment, but it will be the foundation from which we build coaching and self-direct uh, coaching and, and instructor-led paid training. And at the moment, it's being translated to Dutch, French, German, Russian, Spanish. I think I got all those. Okay. Hi, Chase. What is happening? How you doing? I'm good. Good. Good way to be. Yep. How are you? Uh, I was going to say, uh, yeah, making sure everybody in the audience knows about in the chat. Somebody just posted the navigatingbeliefs.com website, so you can click on that 
and uh, get a little step-by-step tutorial. But it's an in-depth uh, uh, class. I really like it. Um, and I was going to ask you about, it seems like sometimes when people are doing SE, um, the, the interlocutor wants to uh, ask some questions of their own mid-SE. How dare they? I know. Uh, so how do you, what do you think is a great uh, tactic for navigating such a situation? Um, you know, you want to maybe be tactful and uh, uh, honest, uh, redirect it maybe back to, you know, how you, you're the one asking the questions here, buddy, but not said like that, of course. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. When I was first in the SE, I, I was I was sort of of the mindset like, hey, no, this is my show. Like we're we're exploring your reasoning with my questions and this is an interview mm -hmm. and I'm interviewing you. So I would get a little perturbed when people would want to ask me questions mid-interview. Although and I think I kind of handled it clumsily looking back. Like I would say, well, you know, I'll answer that after the timer goes off. Or um, it's not really important what I think. I want to know about what you think, which which mm -hmm. you can do. But these days I would I would I would try to answer them right in the moment and model the kind of response that you want to hear from them. Mm -hmm. Don't don't be obscure, be direct, offer to define words as you go, you know, as you're giving your own position on these things. Um, that's probably one of the best yeah. things that you can do. Cause like there, there's something to be said for like a one way directed interview style SE conversation, but it's not typically how we talk to people. Right. Usually it is a back and, and forth. And, and there's an expectation that I can ask you questions. If you're asking me questions, why can't I ask you questions? Right. But I understand the frustration because it's like, it kind of, it breaks up the flow of it a little bit and it could interfere with the progress that you're making down to their foundational reasoning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you just it might, have, it might... I, I would just recommend going with it. Just go with it. Keep okay. it short and sweet. Yeah. And, and um, you know, it might help, of course, if you set up in the initial stage of saying like, Pretty much, I'm just going to be asking you questions, and I'll, I'll answer any questions you have after, uh, you know, um, or if you have specific questions that you really need to know, I'll answer in the moment, you know, but uh, this is mostly about you and that kind of thing. What do you think about that? Yeah, ground rules are, are, are helpful. It kind of mm -hmm. sets people, people's expectations, and maybe they'll adhere to it, but yeah. you have to be flexible on it. Like, even if they agree to it, and you're sure that they agree to it, but then they still go to, like, wanting to ask you questions. I would just still answer their questions. Yeah, I like that. Because uh, otherwise, you know, it could look like you're dodging. Yeah. Um, yeah. And or, or that all the pressure is on them. And so that's not fair, you know, uh, unless yeah. unless unless they're, you know, down with it, then. OK, cool. Um, and it's I an think opportunity. Like, yeah. it's, it's an opportunity to to model again, like I said, but also like the, Mark Solomon's words are re ringing in my ears like. He always says that uh, it's it's an indication for him that it's a good conversation and that if if they're interested in knowing where you stand on their claim in particular, they're engaged. Mm -hmm. they're, that they're engaged in the conversation, and that's probably an indication that they're that they they like what's happening. So I, yeah. I wouldn't just yeah go with it. Okay, and and I guess the last thing about that would just be maybe what do you think about. Um, so they ask a question. So you're asking them questions, and then they ask you a question, and then you respond, modeling the behavior that you're hoping to see when uh, they ask, they answer your questions. 
but then do you think it's a good idea for you to go ahead and and not let a, a bunch of space linger for them to then you know feel like they should ask you another question but rather um see, seize that moment and and ask your next question so as to get it back on track you, you have to sort of make that decision in the moment okay. i aim for a balance it it should sure. be a fair exchange of of ideas i suppose so okay. if you feel like, you know, they, they probably, I've been talking to them for five minutes. They've been answering all my questions. They've just asked one question, even though they said that they wanted to just ask one. Now they're asking two or three more. I might just roll with it. Okay. Yeah. Just go, all right, go cool. with it. Just roll with it. Nice. All right. Well, nice. thanks again. All right. Well, Thank we'll you, I'll, I'll stay in the audience. I appreciate it. Thanks. Oh, there's a question here from Bogdan or Boghan. What do you do when someone doesn't think they need justification for beliefs? For example, why do you believe in God? And they say, because I feel it in my heart. And you say, do you think that people can have feelings that don't comport with reality? And they say, yeah. And then you ask, how do you know this isn't one of those feelings? And they say, I don't need to justify that. Um, when somebody gives you the impression that they don't need to provide reasons for their conclusions or their confidence in their conclusions, then I would shift completely and talk about truth. What do they think the word true means? Do they think truth is objective or subjective? And uh, do they value it? You have to shift the conversation at that point. Um, you'll get this a lot. Yeah. That's what I would do on that. Uh, Okay, I don't see any more hands up, but I'm going through the questions here. In your opinion, what are the biggest limitations of street epistemology? The biggest limitations of street epistemology is getting the conversation started in the first place where you can use it. Because it's so awkward for many people. It's different. It's a different way of engaging with people. And shifting from the normal everyday, oh, how's the weather? Yeah, it's raining. You know, the rain sucks, blah, blah, blah. All that banal banter that we're typically used to doing people aren't used to having deep conversations about their beliefs that's the one of the biggest limitations if we can overcome that barrier and make that commonplace se will se will flourish but this is one of the biggest limitations of se as far as i can tell is getting the talk started and there's different clever ways of doing it we could talk about that if you want like the se se survey that nathan is so fond of abstract activist here go to his channel check it out um, it's a great way to talk abstractly about these concepts that uh, help us arrive and defend our beliefs. And that's a great way of getting the conversation started. And that's one of many. Okay, I see, uh, I see a link to the course. Yes, that's awesome. Thank you. Is there an ETA for the next few modules of the course? At the moment, phase one of the course is done. We've got modules one through six. And we're now in the in the process of writing modules seven through fourteen, the, the second half of the course. We're calling that phase two, and we've committed, uh, responsibly or not, we've committed to getting that second phase of the course written, outlined, drafted, internally tested, revised, externally tested, revised, edited, and published before the end of this year. Yeah. 
So we're, we're hoping to get that done. And we kind of knew that once we released the first phase of the course, we figured, well, there's going to be more demand for the second phase. Because once you put it out there, people, they want, they want to take the whole thing. So we're really committed to that. We've, we probably spent, I mean, over the last three weeks, let's say me and two others in particular probably met five times for two hours a day, just writing. And then we do independent writing. And then there's a whole internal testing that happens. We're throwing a lot of time at it to get it done. Okay. Pierce has a question here. I hope you all don't mind me mentioning your names. If an individual previously showed significant interest in a street epistemology conversation or interview, but is later seen engaging in a debate with visible frustration, would you consider guiding them towards adopting an SE approach again? Yes, I would. If so, how would you approach this? Mm, I think I would explore their frustration and, and explore what they were hoping to get from the debate. They may have never even realized that they slipped back into debate mode. So I would I would share your observations with them and ask them if there's some reason why they're using that approach as opposed to something else. Like in their mind, they may think, well, I didn't realize I can use SE on that topic. Or, well, this was somebody I knew, and I've always seen people use street epistemology with strangers. That There could be a reason why they're not using SE. Um, more likely than not, though, they probably are aware that SE is an option. It's just easier to debate. It takes more time and attention and focus to do it SE, if you ask me, than a typical debate. So yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely explore it with them to see why they're not using it. Scrolling down, I don't see any. Oh, here we go, Julia. This might be a short AMA, huh? Um, how would one justify that it's desirable to believe true things? If an interlocutor doesn't initially agree with that, or should we just give up if we don't agree on that fundamental value? Encountering people who have varying levels of value of truth is extremely commonplace when you're doing SE. Like go out, go out on the street and do it with strangers or do it with family and friends, and invariably you'll see this. So it doesn't mean that you should give up. Um, but I wouldn't proceed either. Like I wouldn't proceed with the claim. Let me let me be clear. You have to set the claim on the back burner and you have to explore why they don't value believing true things. And are they being consistent? It, do, they not, do they not value believing true things with regards to the specific claim that's on the table? Or do they hold that position for all of the beliefs that they have? More than likely, they do value truth, but they're making an exception in this case of the claim that you're exploring. So I would just have a broad discussion about truth. What does it mean? When do you value it and when do you not? What are the downsides of not valuing truth? If you knew somebody else that didn't value truth and you were sure that they were wrong, how would you propose that we reach them? You have to explore the, their value, valuation of truth before you move on. And we're covering this in the course, by the way. I think we're covering this in module 10. Or maybe it's module 9. But it will be in the course. And then, uh, I, I mean, my, one of my favorite talks, and I mentioned so many times, is with a, a young woman named Maritza, and she had this exact same position. Like, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was kind of like it's kind of similar. But like, hey, if it's not hurting me or anybody else, what does it matter if I'm believing something that's not true? That was her position. And then we talked, and then she said, you know, like I think I, 
I think I would want to value the truth. I, I do value the truth, and I do want to believe two, true things because I don't want to go through my life believing things that aren't true. I want to believe. I want to believe, believe things that are true. And that was a great talk. And then she ended up coming back, and we explored one of her claims. Oh yeah, the event is being recorded. Hopefully that was clear, and we may throw the audio on the podcast. Jan, what are some of the ways people can contribute and volunteer for the benefit of street epistemology? There's a lot of things that you can do. One of the easiest things would be to share one of your favorite SE videos on your social media and explain to your friends what it is and what's happening. And then, and then uh, put that on your channel and share it. Another thing is you can, you can give feedback to those specific content creators right there in their own video. That would be awesome. It's very easy, right? Share a video or comment on it. Give people feedback. You can do what Addison's doing here, for example, and host a session or that type of stuff. Create a thread on this Discord server if there's something that's uh, of interest to you or concerning to you. Just engagement. Engagement is just is is enough. Just engage on it on it and help the people that are generating content and spread the word about it. That would be great. If you want to go further than that, you can volunteer to be a translator in the course. We're looking for people to um we're looking for people to love watching videos that are being called street epistemology and evaluating them and then flagging them for inclusion in a new playlist that we've created in the last few weeks. It's a community community curated playlist of videos that the that people from the community have deemed meet the threshold of being street epistemology and we're developing a checklist to help that team do uh, reach that but that would be awesome. We want to put community vetted videos first and foremost on the website so that when people go to the website they're seeing good examples of street epistemology as deemed by members by active members of the SE community. Uh, there are other things that you can do too. Like, uh, is there a conference in your town on um, crystals or um, homeschooling or anything else in between? Like maybe you can, you can table there and put it, you know, hell, Street Epistemology International could probably f help you fund that, cover your ticket or whatever, get you some banners or, or some brochures for your table. And just really just spread the word is one of the biggest things that you can do for, for volunteering. Question. If you had to come up with criticism of SE as it stands currently, what might you say? Criticism of SE as it stands currently. Well, I talked about the difficulty of starting the conversation uh, for one thing. Criticism of SE. Um. Another one that I would say here would be the depth with which the claims are being explored. It seems like there's a tendency to to want to opt for the goal of understanding your conversation partner by asking questions to understand with little challenging. I would love to see more challenging, uh, more of a challenging component to some of the examples that are out there today. That's that would be the one thing that I would say. It's like we have this wonderful tool for getting down to the foundation of people's reasoning. But if people don't know how to get there or they're uncomfortable getting there, I think you're kind of doing yourself and your interlocutor and maybe even your audience a, dis a disservice. 
because you've got this, you've got a Ferrari, but you're just taking it around the block. Like, why would you do that? I understand like it kind of get, you know, people need a little bit of time to get comfortable asking these types of questions, but push, like you've got this great tool, like use it to challenge people. I would love to see more of that. Okay. Here's another question. Oh boy. Which of these outsider tests is better? Oh, is there anyone that wants to come up to the stage? Uh, let me just throw that out there. If someone wants to come up, that's fine. I'm just reading questions at this point. So if anyone's getting tired of hearing my voice, come on the stage and ask me a question. Okay, let me ask this next question here. Which of these outsider tests is better? A, if another person used the same method but reached a different conclusion, how can an outsider know which of you is correct? Let me just think about that for a second. If another person used the same method but reached a different conclusion, Yep. B, if another person used the same method but reached different conclusion, do you think that person should have the same confidence in their belief as you do in yours? I like both of them. <laughs> I think I like B better, honestly. I, I think B is maybe a little less confrontational and it still hovers at, at the, the confidence level scale. So you're talking about feelings of confidence as opposed to whether I'm right or wrong, right? Am I correct or incorrect? So I, I like the second one better. I'd prefer B better. Phil Bilbo says, I'm patiently waiting for more relativism, rel more relativism related videos from you. Okay. I've had this idea and, and I decided against doing it, but I went through my, my archives. I've got a hard drive right here. Check this out. Um, 2015, or 2017, 18, and 19. And I've got another one here. Um, this is 2013, 2016. So I've got, I've got a hard, I've got, I've got hours and hours and hours of footage. And I thought it would be cool to show videos of the first couple forays where I would go out and do the, 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 uh, the Tic Tac test with my box of Tic Tacs. Because I thought, well, that'd be kind of neat, like to see, like, how did it, how did it go? So, but there's just example after example of me poorly rolling out the Tic Tac test. So I, I kind of thought, well, that's not really the best example to show. Like you're showing bad examples for what, for what benefit? Um, but I, I remember, and I was, I was going through my hard drives looking for it. I remember talking to this one guy about the Tic Tac test. And at one point he says, I just can't give you what you're looking for. And I want to find that video. I think that one might make, make for a good relativistic related video. He just, he's so dug in that truth is subjective. Uh, it's funny that you, that you want more of those videos because uh, like it's something that you don't really want to encounter when you're doing SE, but it, it's funny that you're, you actually, you like watching those, I guess. Interesting. Oh, there's the video with Marie said, great. Thank you. And there's the volunteer form. Thanks, Reed. Okay. Question for Anthony. What would it take to change your mind about filming new SE videos for us? Uh, a lot. You know what? I, I want a crew. <laughs> I want to just show up at the park and have all the cameras there and just ready to go. And then I want to leave after four hours of recording talks all day 
and then somebody edits that and puts it up onto my channel. If you can cover that, I might consider doing it once a month. It's that much of a hindrance to me. There's a few people that generate SE content in, in this group. It's stressful to go out and talk to people. And it takes a lot of time to do the, the back end piece of it. Like, um, and then you feel bad too. It's like, oh, I'm sitting on hours and hours of footage and I, I just, I'm, I'm not motivated enough to edit and get it out. And then it just, it builds on you. It, it actually kind of knocks your morale down a little bit too. Obviously it's going to ebb and flow when you're like more, like, I don't know, when you're in the flow of editing, like deep, you're, you're going to be able to produce a video a lot quicker. But on average, how long would you say, how many hours goes into like your average video if you were to produce one now, maybe? Well, I've recently gone through my hard drive and pulled a few out. And well, even go out and record to do the whole oh, thing. Even, oh, I mean, gosh. Like what people like, are kind of I, suggesting you do. Sort of. Yeah, three hours to go out into the field and record, right? And then maybe 30 minutes of prep beforehand to get the equipment ready. And then maybe 10 hours. That's an exaggeration. Let's say five hours of editing. All right. So you got to pull the video, you got to crop it, you got to put bumpers in and, and text. And then, uh, of course, I, I like to have good audio because people always bitch about the audio if it's not good. So you, you have to outsource, I outsource that piece of it. And then lately I've been adding captions, which it's been automated now from an AI, but there's still mistakes in it. So that requires correction. And then I, almost every time I upload the video and I play it privately for myself and I notice three or four errors yeah. like, oh, there was, there was a, a microsecond gap before it jumped from this camera to that camera, right? Pull the video down, edit it again. Oh, shit, that shifted everything on my on my subtitles now. Now I got to re-upload it again there. It's... The... Yeah. The uh, uploading time that you're waiting, the tags, the thumbnails, all of that stuff. It takes a lot of effort. Yep. Time. I'll spend 30 minutes on a thumbnail. But uh, you don't have to. I mean, I'm just... I'm particular like that. So I, I guess I bring a lot of that on myself. I, I've seen people just, they live stream. They live stream that like uh, Pine Creek Doug is a great example, right? He's sitting in his, in his living room or whatever. He's sitting in his office. He's doing his stuff. It's done. It's out there. There's no editing. Although I think he then slices it up and does other stuff with it. So I probably bring a lot of that on myself. Okay. Um, how do you address a person whose core foundation for their belief is an extremely powerful personal experience, life, death, high emotion, et cetera. The, 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 the important thing there is to not discount the personal experience that they've had and instead ex explore the attribution of the personal experience, right? I had this dream and I was talking with God and it profoundly changed me and I'm no longer an alcoholic, right? Amazing. I think it's great that you had this experience and you're, you're, you, by your own words, you're a better person because of it. Awesome. However, how did you decide that it was a God that has something to do with it? Can we explore your reasoning for what you're attributing this change in your life to? That's what I would do with that. Question two, how do you address a person whose core foundation for their belief is a high person group of authority? This is tough because the questions you would probably be asking is, well, how did they determine that they have the truth? 
and it's very tough to se somebody else by proxy you you uh you know I probably have to instead explore what was it about what they were telling you that you found compelling and how did you decide, how did you determine that they're a reliable source of truth? They probably do that. Um, but that's tougher. It reminds me of when I was on the team for, for Atheos. This was the app uh, that Bogosian put out many, many years ago. And he wanted to have a section about Scientology and I was tasked with writing, what did we call it before? A dialogue map or something, dialogue tree where uh, you're running into somebody who thought L. Ron Hubbard was just the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I remember really struggling to write that one, but it's it's tough. Although now that I think about it, if their core foundation for their belief is a high person group or authority, isn't that kind of like Jesus or God or Muhammad? But if they're talking about a physical, like real person in reality, then uh, it's a little bit more tricky. I don't have a good answer for you there. Maybe somebody in the chat can add to that uh, if they have any ideas. Oh, Nick the Slick is here. Hey, what's up? Okay, looking for questions. Abstract activist. Is this just going to be me reading the whole time? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I'm cool with it. Yeah, just to remind everybody, you can hit the little hand icon. Oh. There we go. We've got some people requesting to speak now. So all right, we'll take some of these hands and then we'll come back to abstract you can, activist. You can invite them to speak, right? Or do I have to do that for you? Just to check. I can bring them up. I, I don't know. Yes. Is that what sure. you mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. We got humanity. Come on in, humanity. Hey there. Hello. All right. So there's been something I was thinking about. Uh, there was an SC live stream recently, uh, a sort of call and show, and uh, an incident happened that I, I've, I've ran into a couple of times before in my time doing SE. It was a situation where uh, I'll just say that the claim was wild and unpopular to the mainstream public. It's a claim that you likely do not think is true. Um, there's just something that comes off as absurd about it. Um, um, but when they were talking with the interlocutor about their reasoning, um, they were really speaking our lingo as street epistemologists. They were saying, hey, you know, uh, I believe in looking at independent observations that can be consistently repeated by others uh, and just, you know, testing falsification, disconfirmation criteria. I mean, really just all it comes down to uh, is that this person uh, looked at the data and came to a different conclusion. Um, but the conclusion, it's one of these conclusions that just shocks you that they would, they would have that conclusion. Uh, and I'm wondering, uh, is it good enough to just stop there and say, hey, you know what, um, th this person, I disagree with them, but uh, we spend so much time as street epistemologists just to get people thinking about what is a reliable method for believing in something, um, what is good criteria for believing in something. Uh, you know, is it good to just stop there knowing and taking solace in the fact that, oh, yeah, they they at least have good criteria. Um, is there a way we can go deeper without 
getting into the minutia of one really specific thing. Because uh, what will happen with these types of interlocutors is that uh, they'll tell you why they believe the claim. They'll give a reason. Um, but the reason is like some really hyper specific thing that appeals to some uh, field of study. And it's like, oh, yeah, this this observation, this study right here. Um, they'll even be able to give you a disconfirmation like, hey, you know, if, if the study didn't turn out this way, if it gave these results, then I would feel differently. Um, you know, it, we, we, it's very rare for us to get an interlocutor like that. Um, so, well, what do you do with one like that, Anthony? Okay, thanks. I think I watched the live stream that you were talking about, and um, it seemed like you were maybe hesitant to bring up the topic, uh, maybe because it was a distraction or something. But uh, it, yeah, I don't. Want, it, I, I want people to be open-minded. I guess. To, sure. Like, could be a number of claims. Could be a number of claims. So, I watched that, and um, and I, I I remember having some thoughts about it when. When you're doing SE regularly, you tend to run into people who have the, they have faults in their reasoning and they haven't discovered it yet. And when you do SE enough, you begin to start detecting or suspecting that there's faults in some reasoning. And then yes, every once in a while you'll meet a conversation partner who thinks truth is objective. They understand the importance of evidence. They understand what defeasibility is. All like across the board, they're speaking our language but they believe something that just seems preposterous. It doesn't mean that the conversation's over or that you say, well, I guess, I guess we can both go our, our happy ways believing different yeah, things. Yeah. And that's not what we would do. Like if this person was our friend, like if this was somebody we knew, we would probably like get into the details of things, but uh, well, I don't well, know if we're... in SE, I don't know if SE, we, we do that. Hmm. Typically, we stop at a moment of reflection where the person is reconsidering their reasoning, right? That's usually like the, the end point of an SE talk. Yeah. But, but, but if somebody's walking with you hand in hand and you're on board with these things, uh, my, my suggestion would be that then you go out and you actually conduct the test. Like, yeah. let's, let's, let's conceptualize what a good test would look like and let's conduct it together or let's look at people if, who have conducted it already. And that's when you set the SE tools down and you go out into the field and you try to reproduce it together. Uh, that yeah. like, and, and this, then during that call, that person suggested a really great, um, experiment yeah. that I would have, I would have loved to have seen the, the guys who were on that show roll with it and like, Oh, that's cool. Like, what would that look like? What kind of resources would we need? Would we need two people on each either side of the continent and take a measurement? Or that type of thing. Like, yeah. go go with them on it. Yeah. After you've confirmed that that they will lower their confidence in their conclusion, depending on the result, and you have to be on board with it too. By the way, like, okay, like if yeah, let's let's build a test, and if we see a discrepancy here, I'm going to lower my confidence on the the idea that the Earth is round as opposed to it being flat. You need to be yeah. on board with them, and you have to work with them and get down to it. So it comes down to testing and standards and consistency. Yeah. Um, but that, that takes time and money and resources and you can't talk about it abstractly anymore. You need to go do the work or, 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 or evaluate the work that people have done. You, right. So, but we're, yeah. you know, 
for the sake of if you're in a call-in show and you're broached with uh, a claim like that, and well, specifically if you're broached with reasoning like that, because you know the we're, what we're talking about here is is somebody using reasoning that is not typical of a usual SE conversation. Uh, what do you what do you think you should do in an SE situation like that? They're not using reason. I, I'm, I guess I kind of lost you there. Oh, okay. I, what I mean is like, I can't go test it in real time. Like uh, we're just talking about uh, creating a hypothetical test. And if they've already come up with a test, it seems like, okay, the, you know, conversation over. If they've actually tested it, then I would explore their testing methodology with them. Yeah. Okay. So it seems like there's no choice but to, get into the the minutia of yep. the tap. The yeah. talk is done and now it's time to actually test it. Yeah. You build a test with them. And you could do it conceptually like what would this test look like? What kind of resources would we need? Who would be standing where? What would we what would we have to see in order to lower our confidence? What would confirm our yeah. our views? But then then at some point you have to like, okay, when are we meeting? <laughs> like yeah. what are you doing in June? And you have to right. go out and do it. You have to go out and do it with them. Uh, I like that. I like that attitude because it's an open-mindedness of you know, uh, if we are both, if we are both speaking the same criteria for what would change our minds, then mm -hmm. I also have to like be willing to change my mind if it goes a different way. Yeah. Yeah. But but that's rare. Usually. Uh, you don't have to enact it out. You can actually talk about it abstractly and help people reflect on their reasoning. But if they're if yeah. they're if they're successfully passing all of the hurdles of responsible reasoning along with you yeah. as you're going as you're going through it, at some point you got to test it. Mm -hmm. So build a test together. Yeah. Uh, one more thing before I go, uh, there seems to be discussion about what what is the best way oh okay <laughs> really quick separate question uh if you're in a situation where uh you don't have time to do a full se you know you don't have time for a five minute conversation but uh i'll just get into specifics with you that i i have a job where uh, I see customers come and go, and I make rapport with them a little bit. Uh, and sometimes my customers, uh, they they make some sort of claim that's just really wild. And, you know, I want to say something. Uh, and, mm -hmm. you know, don't for, for the sake of this, this thing I'm talking about, don't worry about me getting in trouble with my work. Like, that's not going to be an issue. Um, it's just... Uh, Gosh, you know, I, I hate that I feel like throughout my uh, throughout my life, I have let people just say things and like I don't even scrutinize it. I just let people say things and I nod my head and carry along. And yeah. I'm such a precise guy, I guess, that the only way I feel like I can handle uh, obnoxious, bombastic claims uh, about politics or religion is to just go through an SE with them. Uh, if I don't have time for that, uh, it really frustrates me. So is there is there any way that you can think of for like how to politely 
get people to reflect on their beliefs quickly if you don't have time for a full SE. I experienced that the other day when I was getting sized for some new suits that I'm buying. And, uh, in, as I was like, you know, showing, you know, he's, he's taking my measurements and everything. And he made some sort of some weird claim about the difference between, um, body types because of race, like, you know, like, uh, yeah, white people tend to carry their weight more here and here and black people tend to carry it more here. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's, really, that's interesting. But I didn't have to, and I didn't want to like get in a full blown essay conversation. Yeah. And I think I said something along the lines of like, that's interesting. I wonder if that's really true. That that could be fun to explore at some point. Just like expressing my my skepticism, but in a in a civil way, but not dwelling on it too much. Just like almost like a like a hit and run, like a drive by, like throwing yeah. it out there, letting yeah. it land, and then you know if he if five minutes later or ten minutes later he might want to ask me about it again, then cool, we could do that. But I feel a lot better doing that. Like I get I get my my. Uh, I get it off my chest. Yeah. So I'm not, cause I'm, cause that, if I didn't say anything, I'd be driving home. Like, why didn't I say something? Why didn't I ask a I question? Know, I know that happens to me. <laughs> totally. So yeah. I, I've just found like just expressing wonder or curiosity, expressing your own wonder or curiosity about what you just heard without any judgment is the way to go. Yeah. I wonder that, 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 that might, that I might be the best that you can about. do. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. That is a very simple answer that, uh, I think I just see so rarely that it didn't come to mind before, but it really is just as simple as just saying, huh, I wonder how we could know if that was true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder if that's the case in just in our area here in San Antonio, or like if we did a larger sample across the United States, I wonder if that would hold up at the other stores. Yeah. You know, something yeah. along those lines where you're just like, you're expressing your wonder and you're, you're showing that you're entertaining what they're saying, but you're also wondering about and questioning it a little bit. But it's not mm -hmm. like, well, you know, well, how confident are you that that's true? Like, you don't have to go full blown SE. You can yeah. just just throw a question in would be my would be my answer to that. Yeah. Okay. I think that's I think that's all I have to ask for now. All right. Thanks Thank for you. coming up. Yep. Hi, Jan. Hi, Anthony. Thanks for doing the AMA. Um, I wanted to ask you about internet popularity for SE. Um, I would say you're probably the most popular, like as a year, on 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 the internet, on YouTube, and with your videos. And I wonder how 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 you how how do you get popular on the internet? How do you get a lot of views? And what tips do would you have for uh, you know people who want to be an SE creator, but also you know want to make it worth their while and get a lot of views and get a lot of engagement? I I don't know if I'm the best person to ask for that because it's kind of an afterthought for me. So, uh, I mean, I don't have that many. I got 80,000 subs and I've been doing this for 10 years. That's probably not the best conversion rate. <laughs> like, it's been sort of just a slow burn. And then, you know, people lose interest or who knows? I don't know. I mean, a big a big part of the growth of my channel was just being willing to go on to different shows like The Atheist Experience or getting interviewed by David Pakman or that type of stuff. I, I would rarely turn down an offer to do an interview, even if it was like a, a YouTube channel or a new a podcast and they didn't have a very big audience, I would still do it to get experience speaking with people. 
so that was that was part of the growth of the channel was just having people invite me on their show talking about se and hey i'd have five more subscribers that type of stuff um i mean when i was going out and doing se i was also giving people a card with my youtube channel on it i think the card had that on there so that's another way to do it um there's keywords that you can put in the titles of your videos uh things along that line uh this might be a good time to plug the content creator gatherings that we have. So if, if you are generating SE content, uh, Street Epistemology International has a, a regular meeting for SE content creators where you can talk about ways to promote your stuff. So um, just kind of keeping your pulse on what's happening in social media. Like, for example, I got an email the other day that TikTok is now encouraging content creators to upload long-form videos in horizontal. And they're giving a preferential treatment to that. But uh, I learned this a week ago, and I still haven't uploaded anything to TikTok. So, like, you know, maybe I will. I've got some long-form videos that have captions already that I can throw on there. We can just see what happens. But I'm just, you know, I, other things come up, or it's kind of an afterthought. But you can really work on it. You kind of have to do a little networking. You got to get your name out there. You can, you can, you can come up with salacious titles and and thumbnails if you really want to do that. I was never really comfortable doing that too much. Um, sometimes, you know, <laughs> I, I never wanted to be misleading with my titles and and video thumbnails. Um, there are some other ways to do it. Putting it on social media really helps, I think. Uh, that's about all I have for you. I, I don't know what else really to 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 do to to boost uh, to boost that up. Thank you. And um, another question I had is, do you ever experience like social media and like have, having your name out there backfire? Like people, backfire? yeah, like Maybe. people harassing or doing like unpleasant stuff. Because Maybe. 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 So like... Uh we have service people come to the house like uh we had a roof in the uh, a hole in the roof the other day we found somebody and uh, th this is actually the opposite of what you're talking about but one of the one of the young guys on the roofing team looked up my name and was just like so excited like i love what you're doing i want to get into public speaking and i think it's amazing that you're doing you're going out there and doing this stuff but then i think i've also had situations where maybe service people would show up and then um ghost me and not come back to the house. Now, I don't know if it's because they found my content and they they disliked it or, you know, you don't usually get the feedback from the negative stuff. It's not like people are like, I'm no longer working for you because I don't like your content. That It's just easier just to disappear. So there might be some of that, but it hasn't happened to, enough to the point where it's been discouraging to want to generate content. I think there and are that, some people, some people who are, for example, you know, Twitch streamers or whatever, and then they get like, you know, SWAT, SWATed and all, all other sort of nasty stuff that uh, that the internet does to people who are popular, right? It is and a wonder... risk. It's a risk. I mean, it's always at the back of my mind that one day some knucklehead's going to show up at the house, you know, wanting to talk about some video that they saw that they didn't like. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I take precautions to to kind of protect myself and the family from that type of stuff, but it's... It hasn't reached the point where I'm discouraged from putting that content out there. 
Right. Thank you. Absolutely. And Chase, I'm going to go back to some of the some of the other questions, if you don't mind. Sorry, because oops, how do I get back to the chat? Okay. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to pick up with this from... Oh, you can. Is it, abstract, yeah, is, is it abstract activist? I think that was the next one. But you're are there things from where you want to go from? Yeah. Well, this is where I, this is where I think I left off. If there's more questions above, let me know. Um, are there things that you feel hesitant to speak about because of your position on the board of SEI? Uh, no, I, I will answer pretty much any question that you ask me personally. I'll, I'll try to make a distinction. Like, um, no, there's really no. Uh, I, I'm free to speak my mind, and everyone else on the board is free to speak their mind. We can share our own personal views of things here. This, this, that's one of the purposes of this AMA is to ask me, Anthony, what I think about things. Um, but, I'm, but I'm not worried. I'll, I'll try to be like um, diplomatic about it. <laughs> but there's, there's nothing that I'm hesitant to speak about. I wouldn't want to be on the board of an organization where I was hesitant to speak about anything, if you ask me. Question, how would you go about introducing SE to other communities, for example, skeptics, rationalists, etc., where one maybe doesn't have a need for demonstrating SE but still sees a use for teaching skills, for teaching SE skills. You, you kind of have to know your audience. And I think you, if, you, if you've identified an audience that you think would be receptive to street epistemology, it could help to uh, show a video example, but I would preface the video like, hey, I know we're really interested in, uh, in rationalism here, and I've stumbled across this video where it seems like they're discussing rationalism around the five minute mark. Like, s prepare them for the video that you're about to introduce them to. Because a lot of times I find that people get hung up on the topic or the, the manner of speaking of the conversation partner or the SEer, and they, they completely miss what it is that you were hoping that they would, that would resonate with them. So you might actually have to tell them this will resonate. Hey, Nonviolent communication. Look at what happened at this conversation when it started getting hostile around the 15 minute mark. Notice what she did with her conversation partner here. Like point out exactly what what conclusion that you would like them to draw before sharing the example. It seems like, like th those, that, that, those things you're identifying are things that you think that you both value, like you share as a shared value between the two groups or the group you're trying to collab with or something like that. I think that's helpful because otherwise they may think that you're self-promoting or you're promoting your friend or something along those lines. But uh, showing video examples of SE conversations is one of the best ways to promote the method. And introducing SE to groups where they're passively watching a video where that's happening, I think is one of the best ways that you can do it. And you can also invite them to the course. That might be cool. Do you feel you have any responsibility to fill in any potential holes you may point in people's epistemology? Ooh, a responsibility? No, not, I wouldn't say I have a, I, I wouldn't say that I feel I have a responsibility to fill the gaps in their reasoning. Like ultimately that's up to them, but maybe I have a, I have a responsibility for, I guess maybe it, hoping that, is this the way to put it? I don't know. Like, I hope that people have good reasoning uh, good 
yeah, good justifications for their reasoning and they're using good quality reasoning along the way. Um, it's interesting that you raise this because as we're putting together the outline for the, the remaining, uh, the second phase of the course, we're, we're realizing that yes, we're exploring people's reasoning, but we might also be teaching them in a way of how to reason better. So there might actually be a teaching component to SE, right? Because a lot of people don't know, oh, a lot of people don't know what, what fallacies are, you know, what an argument from ignorance is or an argument from popularity, but you might. And when you discover somebody who's using that, 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 that fallacious reasoning um, and they discover it through you asking questions, that's great. But in a way, you may have taught them how to be better prepared to look for that stuff. But as far as do I do I feel like I have a responsibility to educate them? I wouldn't go that far. I hope that makes sense. I'm a theist. I was wondering if anyone else here is a theist or has any kind of beliefs in the supernatural or any kind of higher power. Hello, some hobo. Nice to have you here. I would guess maybe 95% of the people in this room are probably atheist, but um I don't think anyone would hold it against you that you're a theist here in the room. I think, uh, speaking for myself, I'm glad that you're here. I want you to learn SE. I want you to bring SE back to your tribe and teach them how to do it. Please. So, um, and I've, you know, I've run into atheists who think that there are souls or they, uh, they carry around a lucky rabbit's foot or they believe in the, the power, uh, the law of attraction or that type of thing. So just because you're encountering atheists uh, doesn't mean that th there aren't other supernatural beliefs or magical, I hate to say magical thinking to you because I don't want it to appear as a, as a slight, but uh, we all have them, you know, uh, I'm trying to think if I do. I don't know if this is more OCD or or more magical thinking, but like sometimes like I, I will avoid stepping on cracks as I'm walking down the sidewalk. Do you ever do that? <laughs> but maybe it's because I think that there's a higher probability that I'm going to trip if I if I do step on a crack. Okay. Be brutally honest. What are your top three most watched SE content creators? Ooh. Okay, I'm going to be brutally honest. Brutally honest. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of SE content. Um. Unless there's something unique or uh, somebody got hostile or some something was being, there was an experiment happening, something new, then I'd probably watch it. Um, okay, so based on that criteria, I would say uh, sound epistemology is on the forefront of experimentation in SE and doing a great job. So I love the experimentation that I'm seeing on their channel. And I think I'll just leave it at that. Uh, yeah, I just don't. I just don't listen to a, a lot of it. Okay. Question: What is the difference between SE badly done and something that just isn't SE? And how can we tell the difference? Okay. Great question. I think it's possible to develop rubrics or algorithms for assessing conversations to see if it qualifies as good street epistemology or poor street epistemology or fair. 
I'm thinking about the course, right? We have like in those mini dialogues, there's, what is it? Poor, fair, and better. Like those are great little categories. And um, yeah, I think that there are characteristics of an SE talk that, uh, that you can look at. What is the difference though, between badly done and something that just isn't SE? Something that just isn't. Hmm. Badly done SE. This is very timely because SEI is also developing an SE checklist to assess the conversation to see if it is street epistemology, which is different than quality. But um, it, it's it's tough. I, I think I think the way that we're leaning is if if it appears that the SE practitioner is attempting to build rapport, for example, that qualifies, even if they didn't necessarily achieve it with their conversation partner. If an attempt was being made, then I would say that that's on the road to, to being SE. Like, like um, and maybe they didn't build rapport like in, in a really good way, or maybe it was kind of clumsy. Um, like if an attempt is being made, I would, I would, be more gracious to the SE -er and and sort of say like, okay, they're they're attempting to do SE here. They're making a good faith attempt to do it. But when um when it's intentionally being skipped or or not happening at all, then it's more obvious. So I think it comes down to the intent of the SE -er and are, are they making a good faith effort to do this particular thing? That's a that's a very tough that's a that's a tough question for me to answer. I'd have to think about that one a little bit more. Okay. Ade. Oh, is there anyone else in the queue? So I, I, I'm going to just get through these here, uh, Chase, unless you're, I don't know where you're Chase at. is, uh, yeah, he's, he's back to, oh, there he is. If you've, if you've okay. only got like a... Okay, you, you can stay down there. there. I, I, let me get through these. Um, what is an example, or you can just type your question, Chase. What is an example of a situation, if any, where some other value or goal might be more important than truth? I could think of a, a couple situations like the health of your conversation partner is at stake, like their mental health, where you know that they're really struggling with something. Uh, I, I, I remember this example where I was talking to this this one woman on the college campus, and it should have been a tip off that she wasn't wearing any shoes, um, but there was clearly something. There was a dependency on the belief for thinking that God was real. And um, yeah, medicine wasn't helping them. The only, the only thing getting them through the day was the, the belief that God was real. And uh, that was pretty much enough for me to be like, okay, we're not going to proceed. Like, even though I don't think that that's true, and I don't think that they probably have good reasons to justify to themselves, this conversation's over with. So it usually comes down to the health of the person. Um, do no harm. I think it's probably a really important consideration when you're doing SE. Like, what's the out, what's the potential outcome of this conversation, and are they going to be worse off as a result? And if so, um, I probably wouldn't proceed. But you also have to ask yourself: Well, how 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 big of an impact are we talking about, and how long would they struggle for? All right. So like. If, if they might lose a little bit of sleep 
and then uh, skip a couple of classes, but then they'd be okay. I'd probably proceed. Um, but if, if you get the suspicion that there's going to be serious mental anguish, then that would be it for me. Where is that David Packman, Anthony Magnabosco interview? I mean, just probably search for it on YouTube. I think that uh, it was one of my first interviews. It's probably horrible. And if I remember right, like the, the video, the quality of the video was just terrible. It was like, my face was like right into the thing. Very awkward, but I would love to be on David's, uh, David's show again, especially in light of what he just recently did with Sam. I think with David, you can actually reach out to him. He's got like a, he's very open to people just reaching out and then he'll set up a time. So yeah. Okay. Oh God, that's a long question. Uh, can, can, I, would you mind summarizing? Uh, and I'll go to the next question. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I did double check if it was for aimed at, asked towards you, and they said yes. So it was. But yeah, can I run could, it through ChatGPT? <laughs> if you want to summarize some hobo, and then um, yeah, summarize that please, because I don't want to read that whole thing. What do you think of this marketing slogan for SE? A way to make atheists believe in God? Eh, I don't like it. It's too targeted. And what, what's the what's the goal? Who, who's your target market with that? You're probably just joking with that question. Um, Maybe it's from like the idea you were given earlier, where we have to be like honest about like using SE on our, our own beliefs and ourselves, and like that's a way <laughs> to like invite the theists in to the to make it more than like ninety percent atheist. Maybe. Hey guys, maybe, come on! Maybe, it's a tool maybe. to create some theists when S, when they <clears throat> see them, their own beliefs. Yeah, exactly. Okay, get back to the chat. Are you all aware of the Archer SE video by Inspire Reflection? He basically made a rubric for what he sees as SE. Yeah, I remember watching that. I was on an airplane when I watched that. I think I was heading to Athens to give a talk on street epistemology when I watched William's video. And what I remember thinking is that this wasn't really too far off on how we see SE because we were still developing phase one of the course. Uh, by the way, uh, we're testing out the checklist to help people evaluate conversations to see if it rises to the level of being called street epistemology. We've had two meetings so far. This, this was one of the outcomes of dealing with some of the community challenges that we're facing. And uh, Robert in particular, well, we have a team, but Robert in particular put together this really cool checklist, and we're going to be testing it out on the 10th. In five days, we're going to be testing it out on a review show. Uh, Quaid, Honest Ape, will be testing out that checklist. Well, so maybe William. Official YouTube channel for street epistemology. Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, I think we even have a link for it too. Uh, maybe somebody can drop the link to that video. I, I, I have the link if you don't have it. It's, it's already scheduled on the SU YouTube channel. I'll find it. Oh, here's a question. Ooh. Question, I find Peter Pagosian's recent anti-woke SSE activism quite dangerous to the brand. I know others have expressed similar concerns. What is your impression of community sentiment? How many people find this important? How many people don't care? What percentage of people think what Peter doing qualifies as SE? So the, the first or the last three questions I think would be great for a survey. I think, Nick, you had suggested maybe doing some kind of kind of community survey 
Um, SEI is planning to do a community survey, but I don't think we have questions specifically around this, but it doesn't mean that it's too late to incorporate something like that in there, if that's something that SEI wanted to do. Um, but those are great questions. What is your impression of community sentiment? It's hard to say because in this server, there's a lot of concern about it. Like we love the, this is what I tend to hear. We love and value the SE brand. We love the potential of SE and what it could do for exploring sensitive topics and so forth. But this stuff is so antithetical to what I've come to understand as SE, and it's going to generate confusion to the brand. So what are you doing about it, Anthony? What are you doing about it, Reed? What are you doing about it, SEI? So uh, uh, it, it seems like there's a lot there. But when I go to the SE subreddit, I never see anything there about it. And um, if I were to go to one of Peter's videos in particular, um, I see a lot of, uh, it depends on the video they go to, but I, I see a lot of comments like, this is great. I've never seen anything like this. Look at how you explored this deeply held belief without anybody getting riled up. Like a lot of people are blown away by just what they're seeing over there. Like maybe not realizing that you can go so much deeper with SE. So sometimes I wonder, am I in a bubble by being in the server as much as I am. Maybe I need to be going, you know, diversifying a little bit more. But from my own personal perspective, I, I find I find a lot of it dangerous to the brand. That that's dangerous. Um I wouldn't say okay, threatening to the brand. I mean, you, you never want brand confusion if you have a product or a service. Like you want no ambiguity what it what it is whatsoever about what you're doing. And SE has always struggled with brand confusion. From the very first introduction of it to the community, with it being phrased, framed as atheist activist tools, to, to where we're at now with like, a, now there maybe there's a perception of anti-woke stuff. Um, this just might be what happens as SE expands out into the culture. So maybe the next, okay, what's next now, right? Okay. KKK members start adopting SE. Like, I think there's a real risk that that uh, whoever happens to be the most popular and what interests they find most interesting, the, the topics that they find most interesting, because it's it's so popular, there's there's a concern that people will think that that's all it is about, and that's that's always been the case. Even I mean, let's go back. Five years ago, when I released, I had that video. Even my own my own work is problematic in a lot of ways because people think, "Oh, you have to go out and talk to street preachers to do street epistemology." Um, it's it's complicated because people make first impressions, right? They discover it, they think that that's what it's all about, and sometimes people stop there. But I'm hopeful that. I guess I'm, I'm hopeful that as SE expands outwards and, and starts finding footholds in these other communities, communities that you may never even see yourself a part of, um, I think we need to be okay with that because don't we want these tools to, to, to expand outwards into different tribes and different cultures? We do. So there's, I think I'm okay with it. I'm, I think I'm okay with a little bit of risk to the brand if it widens the, the free line funnel to get people into the funnel to actually learn what SE is and start 
uh, incorporating the tools. I guess in short, if it brings them to the course where they can learn street epistemology as we've come to understand it over the last 10 years from volunteers who have put mountains of hours into putting this thing together and testing it with the community, then I think I'm, I'm okay with it. But I understand that there's, there's that risk, right? Like, how do you mitigate for these risks? It's really tricky. It's a, it's a tricky challenge. But I'm not going to be around forever, and neither is Pete, right? There's probably people in this audience now that, you know, people that aren't even here yet that will become the dominant names in street epistemology and people's views of what street epistemology is is going to change depending on who's most popular. And that will probably always be the case. But I'm hoping people are nuanced enough to like not too much put, not put to not put too much stock into what one person happens to be doing with it and painting the entire SE thing with that one brush. <clears throat> Do you want to add anything to that, Addison? Feel free to. I'd love to get your. Um, did you do all of the uh, bullet points on that one? I I kicked the other three to the curb because. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't know. I mean, those are great questions. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, that I would think... have, that would have to be in a survey. I think, um, especially the the way it's like qualified with. The anti-woke activism is dangerous to the brand. Like the, I think that's an issue that people have been raising. And then the other one that kind of is very similar is doing bad SE or not SE labeled as SE or whatever, being dangerous to the mm -hmm. brand. And I think, yeah. yeah, I think the way that you answered this question is, um, yeah, it fits exactly the right question. Um, yeah. The best, the best antidote to 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 problem if you, to the best antidote to what you think is a problematic SE video is to give feedback to that person in a way that you think will resonate with them. And I've I've chosen a different path to kind of give feedback to specific people that I think will resonate with them and get their attention and shake them up a little bit uh, to change them. But there's only so much that you can do. You know, it's like, and, and, and the other best, another antidote to this is like, put out better examples. Yes, they may not get as popular, but it's, it's one of the best things that we have in our arsenal is to put up better examples that are showing SE being done in a responsible way. There's like two, there's two things. There's whether people can have like their own political views and do SE and then SE that like seems to be like degraded in some way or something like that or come into conflict or something like se done badly or something like that and like if you had like you said the kkk member if like they were going around doing se on people tackling like flat earth or covid vaccine and the se was solid se like how do you criticize that like you criticize their kkk views when they speak on that stuff but yeah. that's not the se stuff so you, like exactly. people are going to have all sorts of different views and their own political views and yeah you just have to like tackle those separately from the se stuff if people are like tying it to se then it's like okay why are they tying it to se is there some like labeling of se going on is it being presented as se or something like that but until it crosses that line then you can't really do much about it really yeah and then yeah like when it does cross the line you address it or you show the better examples like you've said so 
yeah, there, there's multiple ways you can cross the line. And uh, the most visible way is the topic. Like, uh, you know, I don't like this topic being explored or I know this person's position on this topic, but they're not revealing it to their conversation partner and therefore it's disingenuous. All those things can be overcome. Uh, yeah, just the, the, pra the like practitioner. Yeah. Blind spots, like... You know, the when we first when you first started out, the sort of thing at the time was sort of uh, going after theism or that's those sorts of topics, and it's like you now in retrospect you look back and you're like, oh, now I see the sort of impression that gives to theists, like seeing every single video. But at the time, it's like, oh, maybe didn't really consider that or whatever, just because that's the stuff yep. that we were into and that's the, the, the topics that we were discussing at the time, sort of thing. So. Mm -hmm. Blind spots as well is another one, I guess. Yeah. Another way it can cross the line. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next question. And how are we on time? It's been an hour and 18 minutes, huh? Okay, maybe another 12 minutes. Gosh. I'm good time-wise. How long do you want to go? Yeah, I'm good too. Maybe we can get through this batch. Is SC simply an attempt to push atheism and stamp out religious beliefs in a clever way? If so, should this require a kind of informed consent, i.e., this conversation may cause you to doubt dearly held religious beliefs as a side effect? Um, I wouldn't go so I wouldn't go so far to say is like it's a clever way to push atheism and stamp out religious beliefs in a clever way. However, <laughs> the end result of an essay conversation with a theist will almost always, unless they have evidence, testable evidence, will almost always result in revealing some kind of deficiency in the reasoning for thinking that a God is real. But that's not a fault of SE. That's a fault of the claims that are being made by religious people. So that's just the nature of SE. N SE is a, a wonderful tool for exploring people's reasoning and identifying faults in that reasoning, regardless of the claim that you happen to be making. But if you're making claims that have faults in their reasoning, it's going to look like it's a push to stamp it out. But that's a, not a fault of SE. That's a fault of the faulty reasoning. So uh, that's not my problem, is, is my, my short answer to that. You need to get better evidence for your claims. And then, and then we're, then, you know, it's not my problem. Um, there's a responsibility though that comes with using SE. And we talked about it before, like, you know, p people, right, uh, they're dependent on the beliefs. You have to be, you have to be very cautious. You don't want to be necessarily revealing faults in a reason, uh, in a reasoning. You don't want to necessarily be revealing faults in reasoning of beliefs that are necessary for a person to survive. And that could include religious beliefs. So you have to be, you have to be delicate about it. Um, should we give a warning? Um, I, I've, I've, I've toyed with that a little bit when I, when I would go out and do SE, like, and now just so you know, I ask tough questions here and sometimes people are a little less confident. Sometimes they're more confident. Sometimes they're just as confident. But, uh, you know, there's a chance that maybe you'll, you'll reconsider things a little bit as a result of this conversation. Would you like to proceed? You can do that. There's nothing wrong with doing it. Um, 
I've done that. And I've seen comments below videos where I've done that. And people say, you've now primed them for change by warning them that they're going to change. So there, you know, there's like this pendulum swing of don't reveal anything. Uh, but if you don't reveal anything, then there's, there's, there's uh, challenges to that. But if you reveal everything, there's challenges to that. And I don't know what the happy ground is. You're not going to make everybody happy. Okay. Oh, here's the summary. Thank you, Sumhobo. Is it possible that religious dogmas are actually pushing people from God? In other words, could religion give people a false idea of God that makes people not even open to the idea of God? Yeah, probably. I, you look at the rules that, that religion imposes on people, and a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to follow those rules. And if that's what it takes for me to believe in your God, then I'm out. So, yeah, they, maybe that could push people from God. Um, I'm reminded of these street preachers. Like, uh, my son goes to Arizona State University, and one of the street preachers that I've I actually interviewed him in person, uh, he goes to that campus, and he's out there, like, yelling at all the students, and he's, you know, he gets on Facebook, and he shares that uh, the the ASU <laughs> Instagram account has talked about him, and he's, he's so proud about the the instigation that he's causing. But it, it, the way I see it is he's driving those students away from God and his religion by the way that he's going about doing it. So could they market religion better? Yeah, sure. Am I going to give you ideas on how to do that? No. All right. What do you think? What do you think are some of the biggest challenges facing the SE community today? Great question. That's asked by uh, Nathan. Some of the biggest challenges facing the community today are alienating well-intentioned volunteers from helping us expand it. Right? I think my wife is She'll be poking in here in a second. Um, that's probably the, the, the biggest thing, right? Like SE in its current state won't grow and expand if we don't have dedicated volunteers willing to do the work to help us simplify it and promote it. And if, if well-intentioned volunteers are being driven away from bad examples of SE or unsavory characters doing SE or they're doing something, but they're calling it SE, it's that brand confusion. You're going to chase away the people that we need to broaden this out. And that's one of our biggest challenges because there's not a lot of, I mean, nobody's pumping millions of dollars into SEI or SE. This has all been grassroots over the last 10 years. Uh, you know, maybe at some point we'll, we'll have a financial institution that will see the value in what we're doing and fund us and help us do it. But at the moment, you we're relying on dedicated volunteers to do it. You hmm? didn't get your monthly million dollar check, Anthony? We're working on it. We are, we are doing a grant proposal. Uh, we soon will be doing a grant proposal. Now that we can show... I'm, I'm kind of putting my SEI hat on here just briefly. Now that we can show that we we've, we've developed this course that's being well received and it's teaching people how to do it. Now that we should we we we've shown that we could, um, we've codified what street epistemology is and we're teaching it. I think we can make the case for some really big funding. Um, but even if we got a million dollar check tomorrow, we would still be facing this problem. 
right? I don't want people to feel ashamed by posting a video and calling it SE because of the the common uh, the the perception in the moment of what SE is. That just crushes me. It crushes me that people don't want to teach SE or use the SE label because of some of the baggage that's out there about SE. So that's like brand branding and and um yeah, branding is a big challenge. That's that's probably one of the biggest challenges that we're facing today. And we need people to expand this out. If you want to, um, when it gets to the point where you need to give give everybody like a no more questions sort of thing, and I'll, I can block off the show requests thing in the to speak in the chat, yeah. and then we'll. Just Why don't we cut it off here? Because I see 110 okay. new messages, and I don't know if that's current where with I'm, where where I'm at, or if it's if we're near the bottom. That'll be that's probably totaled up because you you kind of near the bottom. You've got a. Uh, Am I being current with them here? A few scrolls. I think maybe you've got the same many questions you got. I got two day David here. Have you ever considered? That's the last one, I think. That's the last one. Oh, okay. I think so. So maybe maybe two or three more questions, and then we'll wrap it up. How about that? Okay. Have you ever considered doing what I'm trying to call proxy SE? Go out with a cardboard cutout, Alan the alien, etc., and use third party as a way for people to be open to explaining their beliefs. Not as a way of proving to you that they have good reasons, but more like a game to try and explore the belief to help someone else understand it. Would would you still consider that SE? I, I don't think the delivery mechanism of how you're engaging with the person is all that big of a factor when it comes to calling it SE or not. So you you can do what you're doing with with your cardboard cardboard cutout. You can do the SE survey. You can just walk around with a dictionary and ask people what they think of words. Um, puppets. I think someone was joking about maybe doing puppets at some point. Um, there's all sorts of clever ways to engage with people to help. I don't know if they were joking or not. No, sushi serious. Weren't. I think I want to. I want to see puppets. Damn it. Um. As long as you're exploring the quality of their reasoning through civil conversation, you're probably meeting the definition of SE. And how you go about doing it or how you set it up or how you position it or frame it, it probably doesn't matter all that much. Um, like yeah. some formats like experiment. Out, some formats rule out like the civilness and some formats maybe rule out the ability to explore. Like if you have a format where you have a claim and then the exploration of that claim is only 30 seconds that might kind of negate any SE from taking place or something like that um if you had a format where you had to you had to do it whilst you were gladiator battling or something like that that would negate the 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 format there would negate the civilness of it or something like that right so for real this reminds me of the the SE checklist that we had talked about a little bit before i'll put a link in the chat and some of you may have shared this, but at, at that live stream in five days, uh, a few people are going to sort of pilot test the the checklist that we put together to help people determine if if what they're doing is SE or not. And uh, whether it's puppets or a cardboard cutout or anything else in between, we should be able to apply that checklist to see if that interaction rises to the level of being able to call it SE. What do you think? This will be the last question. What do you think of the technique of asking people to think about a time 
when they change their mind about something important to them prior to entering informal SE. SE is kind of learning how to change your mind. Yeah. Uh, that could be good to talk about some of those things before you even get into the claim. Because once the claim has been surfaced and the, and the, your conversation partner um, is looking through their reasoning through the prism of the claim that you've surfaced, they may be less, they may be less, uh, I hate to say the word honest. They may be more guarded to explore their reasoning when they realize that their claim that's been surfaced is at stake. So talking broadly about these things, like, you know, before you even get to the claim and, and having an exploration about what it, what it takes to change people's minds, or do you remember a time that you believe something and you no longer do? What was that like? How did that feel? Those are all great questions. And uh, sometimes you'll get a more honest answer if you surface those questions earlier, earlier than later. So yeah, I think that that's a great, uh, that's a great technique. Absolutely. Great. Oh, this was really fun. Sometimes I get nervous be there for these things, but I don't know why. Uh, those are just really great questions. And, uh, we plan on doing this every couple of months. So if you, if you didn't get your question in now, uh, I will be here again, probably in about two weeks with another host other than Addison. So mm -hmm. Addison, thanks for, thanks for coming here and doing that. Uh, all those times. Thank you for, for doing it and getting in the rhythm of it. I think there was a lot of demand. There's always like at least, you know, 20 people here or whatever, sometimes up to 50 or more. So, so obviously yeah. a lot of demand for it. So thank you for meeting the demand. <laughs> Absolutely. I know I've yeah. enjoyed I'll... hearing these questions and answers personally. So cool. All right. Well, thanks everyone. And if you haven't signed up for the course yet, this, I guess this will be the plug to take the course, navigatingbeliefs.com and uh, share it with your friends and volunteer, give feedback to content creators and let's keep blowing this thing out. Let's get it out there. We need it more than ever. So thanks for the opportunity to, to talk about it today and answer your all questions. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you everybody. Um, Jan's got a, a uh, link there to join the, the sort of after discussion um, so if you want to go there otherwise check yeah. out Anthony's YouTube check out the official SE uh, YouTube channel and uh, thank you very much for coming take care thanks so much Addison cheers the street epistemology podcast is a production of street epistemology international the views, guests, and topics expressed here or not expressed here do not necessarily represent those of the organization.